0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: How do I tell my family that I have ADHD or I think I have ADHD? If you think you might have ADHD or you do have it, but you haven't told your loved ones, you are not alone. Let's unpack that. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode on the What Is Eating You podcast. It is late at night. It is 6.33 p.m. when I'm recording this. Go me because everyone knows I usually work until three o'clock after that. My brain is mush, so I'm going to try my best to stay as cognitively focused on this task whilst I speak about ADHD. Now, this question has come through a lot this week, so I thought I would address it on the podcast. It's actually quite common where people are unsure about how to actually tell their loved ones about their ADHD diagnosis, assessment, or even inquiry that they're thinking that they may have it. And this is a tricky question, not so much because of the action, but more about the fear of the response. So if this is you, I want you to take a moment to think, why does this feel hard for you to do? What is it about considering an ADHD assessment that feels challenging for you? If you have been diagnosed with ADHD, why does telling your family feel hard for you? Is it because you're worried your parents or family won't understand? Are you fearful of being invalidated? Are you worried that they might validate your own secret beliefs that you may not have ADHD and you're just lazy or exaggerating? I'm going to speak on behalf of adults today, but if you're a young person or a child listening to this, sometimes communicating with your parents can be really challenging. This can go for adults as well. As we know, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder that is in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Conditions. There has been a rise in ADHD assessments and diagnoses over the last couple of years. And this is for a number of reasons. The first is women have been stuck at home during the pandemic and their struggles have been unmasked. They've been required to face what's going on around them rather than keep busy. And they've notably seen that basic everyday things can seem really tough and challenging. This paired with the rise of TikTok and social media and people speaking out about ADHD and how it often manifests in women has also raised significant awareness and insight for people. ADHD as we know it is typically attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but there's three subtypes. You've got the inattentive subtype, which used to be called ADD, which means the person mainly struggles with focus, concentration, staying on one task for a sustained period of time, and in addition to this, they may also struggle with deadlines, with organization, with planning. And it's because the part of the brain, the executive functioning or the CEO of the brain is wired differently in the neurodiverse brain versus the neurotypical brain. ADHD typically begins in childhood, but many people are finding out as adults as they have it. Why? Because they've either learned to mask it Or they've been told growing up that they're lazy, that they don't apply themselves, that there's just something wrong with them. So they've internalized this voice and accepted it. They never considered growing up that maybe they had a brain concern or a brain developmental condition. Now, boys typically will usually have the hyperactive impulsive subtype, but women can too. And then there is the combined subtype. So when we think about the hyperactive impulsive subtype, the presentations are the same as the inattentive subtype, but people may also have hyperactive behavior, such as hyperactive thoughts, hyperactive movements, feeling like you're running on a motor, you can't slow down. You can have ruminative thoughts, constantly overthinking, but the difference is between say anxiety and ADHD is that ADHD is persistent. You don't really get a break from it. Whereas anxiety typically flares up at certain triggers or certain things make people start to, you know, procrastinate or start to worry or start to do things later. Whereas with ADHD, it's consistent. There's no break. It's like either now or not now. They don't really have this concept of time. And The combined subtype has both. Now, the impulsivity could be impulsivity in your behavior, excessive spending, binge eating, Uber Eats, gambling, spending money, alcohol, drugs, all that sort of thing. And substance use is common because people who are undiagnosed typically try to self-medicate. Now, the reason people struggle to actually accept they might have it is because it has been stigmatized in recent years. You know, everyone thinks they have ADHD, whereas no people are actually recognizing it and realizing that either they haven't been diagnosed or they haven't been recognized. And it's actually underdiagnosed, not overdiagnosed. Right. So, Think of this, your brain, your executive functioning skills is what affects someone with ADHD. It starts in childhood, but this doesn't mean you're bad at school. In fact, many women with ADHD were really good at school. They sat in the front of the classroom. Sorry, they usually sat in the back of the classroom trying to avoid being asked questions. They usually did the work so they wouldn't get picked out. Now, a lot of females with ADHD are perfectionists and they are people pleasers because Growing up, they didn't quite feel the same as other people or they felt they needed to try extra hard. They learned to be people pleasers. They learned to read other people's emotions because they didn't know the next time they were going to be told that they weren't applying themselves or they weren't good enough or because they didn't feel good enough or maybe they weren't validated, they overcompensated in certain areas of their life. Now, this is not necessarily what the DSM, the Diagnostic Manual, says, The symptoms in there are very brain-based, and I can go through them in another episode if you like. But what happens once you get that diagnosis? What happens once you get that assessment? ADHD can be assessed by a few different people, but mainly a psychiatrist or a psychologist. The thing is, if you want to be considered for medication, you do need to get diagnosed by a psychiatrist. So even if a psychologist diagnoses you, you still need to see a psychiatrist, but you can say, I have been diagnosed by a psych. Here's the report and that can help with the process. Now, There are some common reasons why people either keep this on the down low or don't share what's going on for them. And the first one is fear of being invalidated. They're worried that their parents, family, friends, their friends, their co-workers are going to think, oh, you're another one getting assessed for ADHD. My God, everyone has it. I probably have it because this kind of language is so normalized in today's society. But unfortunately, it's also very what's the word patronizing or invalidating? Because it really is a real condition that affects more people than we actually think that it does, right? ADHD affects 2.5% of adults, but only 0.2% are being recognized and treated. That means one in 10 people with ADHD are being recognized and treated, blows my mind, right? So what are some of the symptoms while I'm here? Inattentiveness, great difficulty getting started on tasks, even when you know you have to. Difficulty with organization, forgetfulness, distractibility, zoning out, misperception of time, difficulty regulating your emotions. Women haven't feel that they reach their full potential in their career, and they feel they can't demonstrate their full ability. We see people have difficulty across primary, secondary, even tertiary study. They start a degree, they don't finish it. There have been people who've started five degrees and haven't finished any. They have an erratic work history, usually six to 12 months. Now this isn't everyone. There is another group, which is very perfectionistic, very people pleasing that will have overcompensated and they probably feel very burnt out, very exhausted because they have spent a lot of time and they endure what looks so easy on the outside. They endure every day with great difficulty and struggle. All right. So apart from the fear of being invalidated, another reason people are hesitant to share this journey with their family is Guilt that their parents didn't pick up on it. So their parents may feel guilty they did not pick up on it. So if you say to your mom, I've, I've got this condition or I've had this and I was born with it or I've had it since I was you know, in primary school and I was young, parents might feel very guilty. They might feel very bad that they didn't pick up on this and you don't want your parents to feel bad, especially our ADHDers who are people pleasers and perfectionists. You don't want to put that on your parents. So you may not tell them. You may just continue to cope in silence. You may just handle this on your own because that's what you've always had to do. And a lot of people see me who actually have parents who are psychologists or they have mothers who are psychologists. And this can be a really sore, sticky kind of subject. And I've even had particular parents who have perhaps questioned the diagnosis Uh, doctors, family doctors who've questioned the diagnosis. And this can be really invalidating for the person who's experienced it. They've been diagnosed, they've received this diagnosis, and then their parent who's a psychologist or a doctor or whatever it might be is invalidating that, or even their family doctor. Oh, you don't have ADHD. You know, that's ridiculous. You're able to concentrate, whatever. So that is another thing. When you've got a mental health professional in the family, it can be, quite challenging because one, they might feel guilt they didn't pick up on it. Two, just because you've got a mental health professional in the family doesn't mean they've sorted their own stuff out, right? Psychologists get into this work because they've either been through something themselves and they're wanting to try to better understand it. Doesn't mean they've resolved all their own stuff. Right? Just something to keep in mind. So if your parent is a psychologist, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have parts of themselves that get activated from time to time. Doesn't mean that they don't have narcissistic traits or tendencies. Doesn't mean that they don't have a traumatized, vulnerable child inside of them that they haven't learned to deal with or manage. Working and helping others might be there coping mechanism that might be their perfectionistic overcompensating is helping other people with their own mental health concerns to help get through their own
0: selling a little or a lot
1: Now, the third reason that
2: people are reluctant to usually tell their families is because they're still doubting themselves. I'm telling you, there are people who've been diagnosed with ADHD that still think, do I really have it? And this has been confirmed by a psychologist, by a psychiatrist, yet they still question it. And it is just that part of you that you've grown up with that you know, constantly says that you're lazy and you should apply yourself and you're making up excuses, that part of you is going to be very strong because it's been with you for a very long time. So if this is happening to you, if you're going through this, I'm going to give you some suggestions on how you can start to talk about it with your family. My first suggestion is to write out what you want to say. This can take a couple of days, it can take a couple of weeks, But when you write things out, it actually helps with processing. And one of the challenges that people with ADHD have, especially women, is that they struggle to explain things in a concise way or they struggle to say what they're trying to say in a straightforward fashion. They might beat around the bush or go on and on and not really get to the point. So writing out your thoughts, your feelings, and what you're trying to say can actually teach you to be a lot more organized and concise in the language that you use. So the first thing you want to do is just get your thoughts and your feelings out of your head and onto paper. And this is going to feel messy. Don't worry about it. It's supposed to. The more you practice this, the easier it will get. Starting is the most important step. Even if you're a perfectionist and you're worried about writing things perfectly, don't. Just get out on your phone, open your notes and just write out what you want to say. And don't have any pressure. You don't have to send it. You don't have to give it to your family. Start this off for you. Now, in considering writing this down, there are things you can do to prepare for this. So the first thing is educate yourself. Number one, before having the conversation with your parents, your friends, your family about ADHD, understand what it is, understand how it manifests and the impact on your life. This knowledge will help you explain your situation better with your family. Number two is choose the right time and place. I know with some families, it's never going to be the right time and place, but hopefully you can choose an optimal time and place. Usually when everyone is relatively calm and you're not distracted by other activities and do this in a place that you feel safe and you feel calm. And if you need to leave, you can leave. I mean, I'm just preparing for the worst, right? Number three is be prepared. Organize your thoughts and your emotions. Think about what you want to say and how you want to express yourself. I recommend having notes ready or having your phone out with all the things we wrote earlier. Number four is use I statements. When discussing your ADHD, use I statements to express how you feel and your experience. For example, say, I have something important to share with you about my mental health. I statements can be very empowering and just help keep you on track. Number five is explain ADHD. Provide a clear and concise explanation of what ADHD is, its symptoms, and how it affects you personally Share specific examples from your life that help illustrate the challenges you face. So you might say, hey, family, I've got an update on my mental health. Uh, For those who don't know, I've been undertaking an ADHD assessment. Do you know much about it or what it is? Oh, is that the thing everybody's got on TikTok? Yeah. Well, basically there has been a rise in people seeking ADHD assessments because we're becoming so much more knowledgeable about what ADHD is and how it manifests in day-to-day life. Basically, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder in which your brain is wired a little bit different. There's different levels of access to dopamine and serotonin, and these are the neurotransmitters in your brain that help you get started on tasks, help you feel motivated, and help regulate your mood. Basically, you can just say... The wiring of my brain is different. I have a motor speed brain. I've got a motorbike sized motor in my brain with little bike sized pedals. So what this means is my brain is always on go, go, go. It's always on hyperdrive and my brakes are very small for what I need. So this makes it difficult to to start, to stop, to do all the things. Explain that it's similar to having an eyesight problem. So With glasses, a person with an eyesight problem can see, but without the glasses, it doesn't mean that the eyesight problem goes away or with glasses, it doesn't go away. It's still there and it's always going to be there, but there are aids we can use and medication we can use to help manage the symptoms or help us see clearly or help us think clearly. Six, express your feelings and needs. Share how ADHD impacts you daily, your life, your relationships, your responsibilities, and what you've learned. Discuss any difficulties you face and the support you need from your family. And that might go as deep as to say, I understand that you may not be on board with what ADHD is, or you might think it's a gimmick, or you might think it's a trend, but that's not particularly helpful for me. What I need you to do to do is consider that this is very real and this does impact my life. And when you invalidate or you don't take it seriously, that actually makes it worse because I felt like that my whole life. And I don't need to feel like that now. So discuss these difficulties and explain what you need from your family. Do you need them to ask you about it? Do you need them to help you with certain things? Number seven, address misconceptions. Address any misconceptions or stereotypes they may have about ADHD. So be open to the fact that they may have stereotypes. Oh, isn't ADHD that thing with naughty children that jump up and down on the couch? Offer resources or suggest they educate themselves to have a better understanding. Send them to resources. Send them to my TikTok. Send them my videos. Happy to explain. A lot of people send my videos when explaining it. I might actually make a video on this. I think that would be good. And encourage them to learn about it, right? Eight, answer questions. Encourage your family to ask questions and provide them with honest and informative answers. Be patient and open to discussing any concerns they may have. So, you want this to be collaborative, you want it to be supportive, you want it to be helpful. And number nine, emphasize treatment and coping strategies. Talk about the strategies, the treatments, the therapies you're using or considering to manage your ADHD. Reassure them that you're taking steps to do the best you can to understand this and to know what they can do to help you. And the last one is number 10, give them time to process it. Understand that your family may need time to absorb this situation And adjust to the news. Be patient and give them space to process their thoughts and feelings. Especially if they've got old cognitions or old beliefs about neurodiversity or, you know, they'll grow out of it. This can be very triggering and I understand it can be very invalidating, but the best thing you can do is don't react, don't defend, just gently let them know how you feel and let them know how comments like that impact you and offer them a suggesting solution. Reassure your family that your relationship with them is important, and that you care, and you're telling them this because you care. And ADHD doesn't change who you are as a person, and the medication's not going to change who you are as a person. And it may require a bit of education on your end, which may feel exhaustive at first, but it may also be necessary. Remember, It is a valid condition and you deserve to be heard. You deserve to feel validated and it's up to you to voice your needs and advocate for yourself. And the more people we can educate about this condition, the less stigma it can have and the more support we can get. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let me know by leaving a rating below or a review on Apple Podcasts. I would be forever grateful. I'm always taking requests for new episodes. If you have an episode request, just reach out to me either on a TikTok video or through Instagram and let me know what you want to hear next. And if you haven't voted yet on the Australian Podcast Awards, please vote below. Absolutely love bringing you this. And I'm super grateful to have you listening in on today's episode. Have the best. Day, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. Hold up. What
1: was that?